Previously on Vengeance. We found a really neat picture book. Sergio can attempt to translate one page at a time. Um, I guess I'll take the book up to her. She stops talking and closes the book and says, I didn't know he was mixed up in that. I'm sorry, kids. I don't want nothing to do with this. I mean, what is it? I mean, we don't even know what it is. Rigel is taking a shit on everything we built. I've fought my battle with him, and I think I won, but maybe I didn't. You know what, Sergio? Vengeance, vengeance, vengeance. You, 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 th- you think you can pick up where Kaus left off? Why not? I think this serves the cause of vengeance. Is the next step for Sergio to, to get translating? While I can translate this, theoretically, I would feel more comfortable having some support in that endeavor. I think Sergio would certainly be aware of the town of Guildford, as his name would suggest being the headquarters of most, if not all, guilds in this world. Should we go to Guildford and bring someone back here so you don't have to go there? No, let's go together, because unless I miss my guess, there will be opportunities for vengeance along the way. In the last session, I said that, like, in the timeline, he had translated it. But since he's missing this week, I think I'm going to say that Sergio is just, like, pouring over this and trying to figure... Even Not even fine. as you guys are traveling, like, you guys could be in a fight around him, but he's he's focused on translating this book. Okay. Uh, do you elven folks want to uh, share what you guys did with your time? No. Okay. <laughs> Mo- moving on, then. Uh, yeah. Like enough. I stayed with Origa, and... Um, pretty much just bored her to death, asking tons and tons of questions about her plants and how she uses them for cooking. And I just tried to get as much information as I could from her on that. Um, and as a result, no, Luke, should I tell everybody what I what I do now or no? Up to you. I mean, this is, this is you returning. You're, you're all coming back together at the end of the day, sharing what you've done. So, okay. Um, yeah, so I learned a lot of things about um, the plants and cooking, and I have a a field guide to herbs, so I can help us out a little bit while you all are doing that sleep thing that you do for eight hours a night, and I will be able to practice some of my culinary skills. That's so good. I love that. Nice. Yes. I, I am spending less time on religion these days as it did not uh, provide the answers that I thought while I spent all of that time at the monastery. So I'm focusing my efforts on the culinary side of things. <laughs> just in the background, you're just having a crisis of faith as we're all just <laughs> like, oh yeah, we're going over to this other town. You're just like, oh my God. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then as, as soon as Danielle finished up with Arika, I uh, took my spot on the couch and laid down uh, my therapy session. <laughs> no, uh, uh, I spent time talking with her about the connection I seem to have with animals uh, to try and get a better understanding of what's going on there. Um, and as a result, she gave me a, she's all about pamphlets, apparently. <laughs> she gave me a, a field guide, field guide to uh, beasts, um, you know, when we're trying to determine what something might be, uh, and it, it gave me proficiency in a nature check. Uh, so that's primarily what I was up to. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, so I guess we're picking it up where you all have, have finished this day where you were all sort of individually doing this and that. I think at the end we had some discussion of what to do next, but now we have most of the party back together. So what are y'all doing? 
What time of day is it? Uh, evening. We'll, we'll say Oregon just uh, just conjured up some uh, some dinner for you guys to enjoy. Um, the destination ultimately is Guildford, correct? Mm. I think that's what you guys had talked about last time. Yeah. 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 Tomorrow morning, let's go to Guildford. Can we walk there? Or do we need like a vehicle? So to mm-hmm. get to Guildford is about a five days journey. You'd be crossing a mountain range and going a significant distance back down another valley on the other side. So it is a uh, significant journey to get over there. Is there public transportation in this world? <laughs> there, there's super not. And if there was, uh, the Occam stop was almost certainly obliterated. In, uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, but these are these are pretty well-traveled roads, for what that's worth. So. Well, I do have a okay. pony. Oh, oh, you brought that pony with you. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I didn't abandon it. <laughs> What happened, I guess we just kind of left that cart with the dead guy in it just in front of the city gates. That's probably gone. You sure did. <laughs> so. Are there stables nearby where perhaps we could hire? Uh, or buy. Or buy. Yeah, I mean, the pony, well, what are you guys transporting? Because the pony could probably handle most of it, I would say. Or, or are you transporting yourselves is what you're saying. I yeah. There's like a, a stable in Chobham where we could, you know, buy or lease a couple of horses. <laughs> Five hundred mile lease on the horse. Yeah. <laughs> so the problem with the problem with Chobham is that it was really just sort of like a nightlifey Bohemian annex mm-hmm. to Occam. So I'll say there's a stables, but there are not enough beasts to carry all of you. Okay. I'm going to, is Orga still in the room with us? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to turn to her and say, so all of your no longer paying guests whose rooms we've been sleeping in, did any of them arrive here on a cart or with a horse or anything that they might not be using and might still be in town? Sure. Um, Yeah. We'll say uh, there's some sort of merchant guest uh, had a horse and cart so I'd, I'd say between what the stables have to offer and this guy's uh, leftovers, I guess, uh, cool. <laughs> you, you could, uh, you know, with some of you sitting in the cart, you could not have to walk. Perfect. I would just like to know that I would like to begin by walking. I feel like I haven't walked enough lately. So, so we're all on horse uh, <laughs> in carts and going at a I mean... pace. <laughs> Uh, we'll yeah. say the uh, the horse and cart that was left behind, she's just going to give to you. Uh, the stables want 25 gold um, for two horses. Okay. Yeah, I don't have any money, so. I have some gold that I can contribute to the cause. Uh, anyone else want to? Yeah, I can. Uh, I'm pretty broke. Well, if we're going to split this three ways. They're, uh, what, was, sorry, what was the total? 25 a horse? Uh, let's yeah. make it 20, 28 a horse. No, less is more fair. 24 yeah. a horse. Eight each is what I'm saying. Okay. Now, right. now this is a rental. It's not not a purchase. <laughs> so the, the expectation is you would you would leave these uh, with someone in Guildford who is okay. on some sort of, uh, we'll say the stable guild. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So you're securing this the night before. Let's say um, I'm assuming you want to set out in the morning rather than the evening. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. So uh, assuming you go to bed and sleep and slash meditate, you elven folk. Um, in the wee hours of the morning, um, you hear downstairs a uh, loud knocking at the door, and you hear uh, Origa briefly talking with someone, and then you hear um, the footsteps of many people walking away. The elven folk would probably be the ones who would notice this, not being asleep. 
necessarily. Mm-hmm. And uh, assuming you check with Origa, um, it would seem that uh, some constables from uh, the town of Agrilar, which is sort of the, the nearest city to where you are, seems that they've come up the river um, and they are asking questions about some adventurers who were seen coming out of the wreckage of Occam, uh, seemingly the only survivors in Origa. She covered for you guys, basically, and said that uh, she had not seen anything, but it seems like someone is maybe looking for you guys. Okay. So I'm going to ask her uh, if they said anything, like why they're looking for us. Uh, she, they didn't seem especially heated. They're doing their best to step in and uh, investigate the situation, and uh, that's the, the only information they were able to get from people is that the only survivors seem to be a group of adventurer types. So mm-hmm. they're just trying to get more information about what might have happened. Okay. <laughs> so you are planning to set out. Tell me about how you were doing so. I'll bring well, the well, wagon with our belongings. Mm-hmm. Put our luggage back there. All that stuff. Uh, hold on to my luggage. Okay, Pillman's got his own luggage. He's not anybody else touches luggage. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to yoke up the horses and do all the horse yoking. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you're going to get them swole, is what you're saying? Totally yoked, bro. <laughs> uh, now that we have a cart, I might go harvest, like, I don't know, half a dozen extra roast fruit and pile it in the cart with our belongings. Sure. Um, Origa tells you that uh, those tend to be, they stay good for about five days. Um, okay. And you could assume that, yeah, how convenient, right? And they say that, uh, <laughs> and that uh, each one of them could feed the whole group, like one one feeds the group. Okay. Hmm. Not saying you won't get tired of it. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, while we're getting ready, uh, I'm kind of going to like go up to each horse and you know pet it, calm it, start to establish a, a connection. Very good. Uh, roll plus nature, please. I like to uh, imagine you're doing this as Paul Frey's like trying to put the bridle on, and so your hand is just, like in the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I rolled a one. Uh, yeah. Is it possible I I could try to assist. I mean, it, Emo, and actually, like, try I to like. Help yeah, him it was a four, but it, well, I did roll a one. Yeah, so. Colin, you're a dear, you're a dear friend, but he did roll a one. I think I think we got we got to go with that. Uh, so uh, one of the horses bites you, and you take one piercing damage. I guess. That's fair. Uh, and I'll say that uh, I take the bite and don't even flinch, and just accept it, and step, respectfully step away from that particular horse. <laughs> Give it its space. Poor Emo, he takes a chance on a magical cow, and it like does embarrassingly strange stuff and then is loosed into the world. And then he tries to befriend a horse and it bites him. It's a poor guy. <laughs> it's how things seem to go. Animal uh, connection thing is going real well. Yeah. yeah. Right. More like misconnections. Okay. So uh, I'm just trying to get a visual of like what you guys look like as, cause you have to proceed through Chabam and then through the ruins of Occam to follow mm-hmm. this road um, up into the hills towards the mountains. Okay. I, I would like to be sitting on the, front of the wagon, kind of keeping a lookout. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I imagine Sergio is probably in the wagon translating. Yes. Yes. And Gibetto says he would like to also be in the wagon. I imagine he doesn't take up much space. I imagine he can take mm-hmm. He could probably distract uh, Sergio a lot. If there's if there's room on the cart with Paul Free, I'd like to be up there too. Sure. Just like keep an eye out for ranged magic opportunities. I would like to be riding a horse. Maybe not the one that bit you. No, no, actually the one that bit me. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. No, I, I, I'm giving that one its space. I'm, I'm on a different horse, not the one that bit me. <laughs> okay, like, are you guys leaving before sunup? Are you leaving 
after sun up, like what time of day? Yeah, yeah. So we'll leave a little before sun up, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Okay. These are all smart moves. So, uh, uh, Origa waves a uh, wistful goodbye to you as you leave, um, and uh, asks you for the sixth time whether you have enough roast fruit to make it through the journey. I ask for one more. <laughs> <laughs> She, she actually flicks you uh, a small thing, Suka, that looks something like a kumquat or like a persimmon or something, like a small citrusy kind of thing. Excellent. Yeah. And it explodes. Ah. <laughs> um, she was trying to kill us. <laughs> uh, so you make your way through Chabam. Uh, you pass the blown out unicorn's mouth tavern. Th- thankfully, the fire doesn't seem to have spread to adjacent buildings, but that is completely blown up and there's no sign of friendly bartender Ellis. Uh, yeah, you really don't see anybody out. You guys are smart to leave early. Um, you cross the bridge to Occam, and passing uh, into Occam, there's some activity. Um, people appear to be digging through burnt piles of grain, trying to see if there's anything they can salvage. Passing through Occam's northern gate, which would normally be standing, but is charred and fallen to one side. You move out into farm fields and gently rising hills leading towards some mountains that are not snow-capped because there's no snow in this world. And let's see if some stuff happens. Colin's face. <laughs> okay, um, Palfrey and uh, Magnus, make perception checks for me, please. Um, 18. 12. Okay, uh, Palfrey, you, you're passing through a field that has some large haystacks piled here and there, um, and you see uh, some movement uh, of something very large peeking around one of them, partly concealed by shadow. Okay. I'm going to order a halt to the wagon. Okay. Whoa there. Uh, and I'm going to turn to Magnus and say, did you see that? No. There was a movement behind one of those haystacks and a shadow. Should we get a closer look? Yes. I'm going to hop down and begin to stalk over there. And I gesture for Magnus to come along. I'm going to follow along like two paces behind. Okay. Uh, I am not trying to be particularly stealthy, but I'm moving in a cautious manner. Okay, cool. Um, The first thing you notice as you head that way is um, a smell. Um, It is a smell of a fresh kill is what you smell. Um, And around the edge of the haystack, you see uh, the sideways pointing legs of a cow. I'm gonna immediately turn and gesture to Hemo, like, come here. Come here. Okay, you do that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, will, I will come as I requested. Okay, I'm going to, I'm gonna actually back up because I don't want the wagon to be undefended while we're doing this. You guys, so you guys check out the haystack. I'll hang with the wagon. I'm gonna say I have the, the javelin uh, ready. Okay. So Magnus is there with me, right? Yeah. So I, I guess at this point we we, we know it's uh, something chewing on the cow. I would imagine some Magnus. I, I think we could take this if it's just like a wolf or something. Let's see what it is first. So it's like cautiously. Can we like, like over the stack or like roll some stealth? Okay. okay. Right. I'd just like to note that I have finally caught back up to the caravan. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so uh, natural twenty plus four, so twenty-four. Oh. I had seventeen. I'm invisible. Okay, those are both very good. Okay, so you see the following things. So, Hemo, you'll be relieved to, to know that it is not your cow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, you see that the cow is mostly consumed from the shoulders up 
And uh, Hemo, go ahead and roll that nature check that we just improved uh, to see if you know what this thing is. I rolled a, oh, a 22. 22. Okay, that's very good. Um, so you know that this is an owl bear. Owl bear. An owl bear, which is uh, a very fun, silly thing that someone made up and put in a D&D book. Uh, so it is a bear, a grizzly bear-sized and shaped creature with an owl's head and is covered with feathers instead of fur. You know this to be a vicious and solitary predator, which is probably good news. And you know that it's not especially magical. It's really just does uh, biting and claw slashing and that kind of stuff. I think as as soon as I see it, I'm just gonna like turn to Hemo very slowly and just be like, mm mm, mm mm, because I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> uh, Hemo, I'll also say uh, you would know maybe from this guide that your whole party together could take something like this. Okay, uh, quick question. So. Um... I have a, a connection with animals. Uh-huh. And I sense whether it's hostile towards us. In other words, if we were to just let it finish eating the cow, would it would it bother us? So uh, your nature roll was 22. So basically they are just like solitary hunters of the night. This is, this is still very early morning. You suspect this thing was hunting overnight and it killed something and it's still kind of eating it. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it did not perceive you to be interrupting its meal, it might... Just go on its way. Okay. In that case, uh, well, let me just ask from a DMV perspective. Is will we gain some experience from like should we kill it for gaining experience or yeah, Nick's nodding is correct. So so from a mechanical uh, perspective, yes, you gain experience by fighting and killing things. From a sort of narrative perspective, you would know that something like this would be like really, really hated and problematic f- for um all the farmers in the area okay. and uh, Palfrey being from Send, uh, which is near nearby would certainly know that these things are like a major problem and they're killed on site by farmers in the area. That kind of thing. Okay. So since Suka has caught up with us, I, I mean, she's, she's, our, she's our lethal weapon. I'm going <laughs> to turn to the, to the uh, people back on the wagon and say, Hey, we got something to fight. You're kind of like gesture to come this way. And, and once they get there, I'll explain the situation rather than trying to yell. Cool. Magnus the whole time just like, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely. I fight people. I don't know what this is. You got this, Magnus. This will be a big moment for you. It's I have not gotten a single thing yet, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. It's time. We got this. We'll, we'll fight it. We'll kill it. It's fine. We'll get better. We'll be better people for it. I don't know. It's kind of cute. Uh, at that moment, it belches, uh, and there's a smell of, of blood and raw flesh in the air. Yeah. So, uh, did people come from the wagon over to join us, or is it still just Magnus? And I mean, I just came over and, okay. and said, like, it was kind of cute. Yeah, I would run the haystack. Yeah, I'm going. But I'm going to try to make a wide berth mm-hmm. around so it like, doesn't see me. Nice. Okay. Roll stealth, my friend, which is a thing that you were good at. How far is the wagon from this? Sorry. I will say, they'll say the wagon's like 50 feet from this. Uh, I rolled a one, but. <laughs> It's a 10. <laughs> if I include my... Not a 10. If a 1 is a 1, man. A 1 is a 1. Yeah. I okay. Um, okay. So so here's the scene, and, and we're going to have a good old-fashioned fight here. So everyone kind of sneaks their way up uh, to the haystack. Hemo's motioning everyone. Pimlin starts making a wide arc, trying to be clever. And then uh, you step on a stick, and it cracks. And the owl bear looks in your direction with blood dripping from its face, and it roars. Uh, let's roll initiative. Yeah. Twelve. Twelve as well. Sixteen. 
Weirdly. Ten for me. Twenty for me. Okay. Uh, are we involving Gebetto in this fight, Hunter? Or are you just gonna? Uh, uh, that is up to you. What well, we could just have him protecting Sergio in the in the cart. Yeah, yeah. I think if it yeah. approaches the cart, then we can toss him in. Okay. Well, net twenty on the initiative from the owl bear. So owl bear is going to come at Finlan and do some stuff. Dodging. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does eighteen hit your AC? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> cool. Cool indeed. Cool man, super cool. Uh, seven piercing damage. To you. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I scream. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Suka. Okay, well, uh, looks like it's time for my arms, so I will. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel a little like Magnus in this situation. Like, I don't know how to, I, I've never fought anything other than a person. Like, this, yeah. this thing feels very counterintuitive to me. But I guess I will try and get this thing away from Pinland. I'm going to run at it and hit it with my arms. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a 13. That hits. And I get two key points, uh, so I'll spend one of those to do flurry of blows, uh, and that is that I make two unarmed strikes as my bonus action. Cool. Uh, the first strike is a 14. Mm-hmm. That hits. And the second one is an 18. All three of those hit, so now you get to roll damage three times, yeah? Yeah. Plus five bludgeoning. Okay, so that would be six. Cool. Um, the second damage, uh, seven. Cool. And there would be another seven. Yes. Cool, that's a big old nice. hit. Man, so I guess you just like run up to its butt and like. You know what it is? Like, like if you ever see a bird without its feathers, they're like hilariously scrawny and like not intimidating looking. Presumably, since this is like an owl-based thing, like it's got puffy feathers, but you reach in there with your arms, and your arm goes like way further than you expect, <laughs> and it's like a little wimpy butt. You're just like knocking the thing around like a punching bag. <laughs> That's funny. All right, uh, Magnus. All right, can I come around like the bottom of the haystack? Yeah, just like kind of poking around the corner. Sure. So not like fully out from behind it. Uh, and then I'm gonna mind sliver it. So it needs to make an intelligence saving throw. Not its strong suit. That's what I was saying. Uh, okay, well, it has a negative four to intelligence, but I did roll an 18, so it's 14. Okay, uh, so it's fine. Man. Uh, I'm going to use, eh, no, I'm done for now. Okay. I'll wait. Alfred. All right, I'm going to charge it and strike it with my mace, my borrowed mace. Cool. Uh, that is a 16. Okay, that hits. Uh, four hit points of damage. Cool. Um, and I would like to expend my action surge to take cool. a second attack. Beautiful. Uh, that would be a 20, modified. Uh, that sure does hit. Also four hit points of damage. Okay, very good. This thing's getting beat up. Finley. All right, I'm going to take out my dagger and stab it. Yeah. Okay. Hold on, I gotta find a D4. They're always so hard to find in the bag. <laughs> and annoying to pick up. <laughs> uh, two and a one. So three plus five, eight. Cool. And uh, I'm gonna take my bonus action because I can do, what is it, cunning action? Mm hmm. And I am gonna disengage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sounds good. Uh, Hemo. Okay. Uh, so I want to move where I can see, obviously, if I can't see from there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm ranged and I have the javelin ready. I'm gonna, and if the javelin can be thrown, I'm going to throw the javelin to attack from a, a range distance. Okay. I roll, oh, I roll a natural 20. Oh my god. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nothing. I know, I know, right? I rolled a 1 and a 20. Uh, so that, I'm assuming that hits. And with the javelin, it's 1d6, 3 damage. And you get to roll the dice twice on a critical. Okay. Uh, it's 3 damage. <laughs> oh, sorry. You, you, you add them together. So oh. so 6. And then you probably have a plus on that weapon, I would, I would think. But imagine your dexterity bonus. Yeah. Going by the app, I would only add my proficiency bonus. But if I want me to add more, I'm more than willing. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, you, usually a ranged attack, you add your dex. Um, mm -hmm. okay. And then if you're proficient in it, you add that too. So uh, so add proficiency for seven and add dexterity for 10? That's right. Yeah. Okay, and 10 it is. That's a hell of a hit. Yeah. Okay, so in a matter of six seconds, this thing was punched in the butt a whole bunch. It was mine, well, it was unsuccessfully mind slivered. It was attacked by a squire. It was javelined. It was stabbed in the face. Uh, it is very angry um it is going to spin around and attack both suka and palfrey uh suka does 22 hit your ac i'm sure it does yeah okay yeah all right it bites you for eight piercing damage and palfrey uh it's gonna miss you with its claws uh suka it's your turn let's see I guess I'll, I'll try to, I, I assume it, it kind of hit me and then like reared up a little bit. Is that how it, yeah, sure. it, it attacks? So it, while it's reared up, um, I would like to kick it. Cool. Oh, natural 20. Uh, okay, so yeah, don't even bother rolling damage. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is like a, a big scary thing, like, the, like an owl faced thing the size of a grizzly bear. And you guys just like, Surrounded it in just like a Looney Tunes fight, like a cloud of arms, and then with a <laughs> with a final like just kick to the the guts, this thing uh, just falls over and barfs blood on the ground. Um, <laughs> and uh, you have defeated an owl bear. Congratulations! Yeah, I use my bonus action to jump on top of it, <laughs> just just because I can't away. <laughs> Roll acrobatics. Love that flavor. Oh, acrobatics. I'm good at acrobatics. Sorry, okay. roll, roll parkour and please say parkour. Um, that would be a 23. Oh, parkour. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, you success you successfully stand on top of the owl bear. Uh, and from and from the wagon you hear Gibetto say. That's a whole lot of kicking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he's gonna say, uh, having are you having fun over there? I'm not. There it is. <laughs> Glad you took a second pass. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> May not be funny every time, but we'll be funny every second time. <laughs> hey, folks, this is Luke Brevort, your host and dungeon master. And today I'm speaking to you as a sad baby owl bear whose mommy won't be coming home today. Just kidding. Our heroes were totally justified in their killing of a wild animal gathering food for its young. 
Fantasy. Thanks for listening to Session 9 of Vengeance. Our heroes are on the move and beginning to explore the wider world of this campaign. Uh, if you want to follow along, you can check out our world map at splendorsound.com slash vengeance map. Quick programming note, you may have noticed the audio of this session is a little noisier than usual. That is because when we recorded this, my very, very old laptop was in the process of dying. Uh, so on this session, it's not too bad, just a couple crackles here and there, which I've done my best to mask. Uh, but unfortunately, the following two sessions are in very rough shape. For that reason, I think I'm going to release those two, that is sessions 10 and 11, at the same time, just to get through them. Uh, by session 12, I had replaced my laptop and the recordings are in good shape from there on out. Uh, so you should see uh, two sessions pop up in your feed in two weeks. The show is edited and sound designed by me, Luke Brevort. Our theme song is Castles in Winter by Joel Van Drogenbroek. All other music is by me. The website for my sound work is splendorsound.com. JL Householder does art for the show. You can find their work at jlhouseholder.com. You can follow the show at VengeanceDD on Twitter, and you can tweet about the show using the Vengeance Podcast hashtag. Okay, I think that's it. I'll let you get back to the episode. Bye. Cool. Uh, there's a cow carcass and an owlbear carcass. Do you have any interest in either of those things? Uh, well, if there's any meat left on the bones of the cow carcass, uh, suka. No, I'm not interested in meat. At least not at the moment. No. Uh, Hemo kind of like smiles a little bit because he's also vegetarian. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to turn to, I guess, Paul Free or someone who seems familiar with these creatures and say, like, are these like feathers and stuff valuable? Should I roll to know what the answer is or should I just give what I think the answer is? I, I, th I think we'll just, yeah, whatever you, you think is good. Okay. <laughs> no, no, not particularly. It, this is just a stupid animal. Uh, they're a nuisance. They, they run off with livestock. Um, I mean, if it was an actual bear, the hide might be worth something. But okay. these feathers, I mean, it's like, you, what are you going to, you going to put them in a pillow? Like, no, there's nothing really to be done with that. Yeah. Fair enough. After Paul Free looks away, though, I'm going to just cut off one talon and be like, it's cool, and put it in my bag. <laughs> awesome. So you guys are, are kind of making your way towards the town of Upham, uh, completing the trifecta of homes, of hams, uh, <laughs> ham towns. So we'll say, um, you know, the, the rest of the day is, is uneventful. You're making your way uh, up into the, the hills. And the, the one notable thing is, um, <laughs> I swear I'm going to stop underlying the, like, bummery mass death of the uh, uh, Occam disaster uh, once you leave this valley. But, uh, you know, it's like you just left, like, a ruined town, but it's like the crops are at the height of their growth. Everything is green and beautiful. But as you're going north, you kind of stray into uh, an area that uh, there is no snow in this world, so this would be a strange sight to you guys, but uh, we would see it as the appearance of snow on top of haystacks and buildings and, and crops are bent over with this stuff, and you realize that it's ash from the fire of Akum. Um, so that the, the wind must have been such that it carried it into this area. Um, and so the, the otherwise verdant agricultural landscape around you is, is momentarily transformed into this sort of blizzard-like view. Um, but so towards nightfall, uh, you roll into the town of Upham, which is sort of where the foothills, well, actually, it's, it's, at the, it's at the mountain pass. So the geography of this is such that this side of the mountains is fairly easy to get to. Um, and uh, those of you who'd be familiar with this area would know that it's extremely steep and difficult on the other side. But 
you've basically made it to the top of the, the, the mountain pass. And Upham is a small but very active town, and it's notably different in its inhabitants and kind of flavor from the places you've been. This is a sort of rugged, uh, maybe vaguely like Swiss chalet kind of vibe, but like meets Old West kind of thing. It's like it's like Solvang, California. <laughs> yes, that. Palfrey would certainly know, being from this area, that it is a major trading post for the significant hunting and trapping industry of this region of mountains. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, there's a really large building that's sort of built into the side of a, uh, a mountainside. The Swiss the Swiss chalet vibe, uh, like the prominent overhanging roofs. Uh, again, no snow in this uh, world, but these roofs are built to basically divert landslides around the building. It's an unstable mountain region, so there's like uh, debris actively accumulating on on these roofs, and they maybe have workers who are constantly clearing it away and hauling it down down either side of the mountain. This is a very narrow pass um, that its sort of chief feature is a very large waterfall spilling down from a pool uh, that, that you can't see, but which you assume is, is a pyre. And the waterfall spills down and lands on a sort of pointed rock and splits in two directions. And it is the source of two separate rivers that continue out into two separate valleys. It's a pretty even mix of humans, dwarves, and halflings. The dwarves have uh, a very rugged, mountainy look about them. They, they're mostly the ones you see trafficking in pelts, bringing whole cartloads of all sorts of exotic pelts. You might recognize troll hides and bearskins and the biggest building that has the debris sort of slopping off of it uh, is the Upham General, the general store, which is a very, very large trading post, which uh, in a metagame sense has on offer anything in the armor, weapons, and adventuring gear tables in the player's hand. Um, so basically any sort of basic gear, weapons, armor that, that you can think of that is available for purchase here. And because it's such a big trapping industry, there is uh, a shop that specializes in hunting traps, some of which are not just your standard bear traps, but which are magical in nature. Uh, and finally, you see uh, all, all these buildings kind of have the same sort of dusty, rugged look to them. And then in the middle of them is this gaudy, vaguely conical building that has like swirling stripes coming down it of red and blue and yellow. And it's sort of actually vaguely in the shape of a wizard's hat. And beneath the brim is an arched doorway. Uh, and there is a sign that uh, labels it Tierney's Magic Nifty Trinkets. <laughs> uh, and there's bustling coming and going. Uh, and that is the scene before you. So I would love to go check out the armor. Cool. Mm -hmm. And in particular, what I am aiming to do is upgrade my armor. Okay. Um, and I think that a suit of plate armor is probably well outside my price range right now. But if I can convince someone to accept my lovingly maintained chainmail and also some money as a trade for a set of split mail. Oh, split mail. Gotcha. Okay. So the price tag on split mail is 200 GP. You have a chain mail so they would offer you 25 gold in exchange for that chain mail that is not gonna that's not gonna do it <laughs> so I, will, I will save my money and come back around to this when i can afford some better okay. um i know Jibeto wants to replace as many of the 
seven bolts that he spent and did not retrieve. Okay. Yeah, there's there's like a rack of, of various bolts. Like if you've ever shopped for dowel rods at a hardware store, they have like all the different sizes just like in a rack for you there. Are they color coded with dots on the end? They so are. You know what yeah. <laughs> they are actually. Uh, how much do they cost? Uh, like just one gold piece gets you twenty crossbolt bolts. Okay, I'm gonna say he spends a gold piece and gets twenty. Cool. Some extra. I'd like to buy some arrows from the adventuring gear store. Cool. How many arrows can I carry? I started with twenty. Are we taking into account weight? Uh, we we are, but I think you're you're very far from being in any sort of limit. It's a pound per twenty arrows, so I think you can reasonably carry more than twenty. Okay, forty arrows total, so two gold pieces. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Gebetto's actually going to buy forty bolts for two gold. Great. And no one but him needs to know that, but that's fine. Is that he doesn't want to be one up by me? He doesn't want me to. Help. Yeah. yeah. Every time he sees you pull one, he just like adds two to his armful, <laughs> carrying them over to the counter. <laughs> and I think Luke, he's probably going to take a long time. Jack's like looking at the craftsmanship, and if there's anything like warped or you know maybe this one isn't as sharp, he's going to put it back and like find like the forty best. That sounds about right. Yeah. Do um, they have grappling hooks at this? particular place? Uh, yes, they do. Two gold piece. Alright. I'm gonna buy one. Cool. And also, I'm gonna buy writing equipment. Okay. Like simple stuff like uh, sealing wax mm-hmm. and paper. I don't see, yeah. Uh, we can say there's a bundle of uh, ten sheets of parchment and sealing wax and uh, some ink for two gold. Oh shit! Ink's really expensive, actually. Sorry. Uh, ink is ten gold for one ounce. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna buy the pen. And I'm gonna go find uh-huh. some soot. And uh, okay. That's how I'm gonna do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would like to buy a jug or a pitcher. Okay. Only two copper pieces. Um, okay. You know, I think as you guys are checking out, the cashier, the fantasy cashier, just hands you one gratis. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I back at the, the commune, I drank tea every day, and I haven't been able to do that here out on the road. Um, I have tea, like, in my in my messenger bag that I took from the loose leaf tea and a, and a little thing, so I'm going to carry it along with me. Cool. I have a mechanics question. So I see one of the things you can buy, the adventuring, one of the pieces of adventuring gear is a whetstone. Uh, I know mm-hmm. it's in real life, but what's the benefits of that in D&D? Like, would I gain anything, or is that just detail for the sake of detail? I think it's detail for the sake of detail. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did Okay, well, before I finish answering that question, did anybody have anything else in the sort of general store that they wanted to pick up? I think I'd like to buy, like, if I could buy a couple spare canteens. Yeah, uh, you can you can get five for one gold piece. Okay, I will do that. Cool. So the goal of the paper... I want to write a letter to my mm-hmm. contact, okay. Gilford, mm-hmm. and I want to try to find like a runner. Hell yeah! Okay, yes, yes, yes. Nick, this is a gift. Thank you. So I want to. I'm just gonna direct message you what the letter's gonna be. Okay, cool. That's great. Nobody else is gonna. Okay. So the runners that you find, you actually recognize. Uh, well, some some of them are the group of halflings that had the drum circle going in Occam. They must have left before the disaster happened. So these are the, the folks with the dreadlocks. A bunch of them were shirtless. They got tattoos. They got like, well, I guess I guess halflings don't have beards, but it's like that kind of vibe. 
and you actually see, you you see one of them uh, taking a letter uh, piece of parchment from a dwarf uh, and rolling it into a leather case, strapping it on his back, and then he jumps into like a very small wooden canoe. There's a word for that. I can't remember what it is. Uh, pirogue. Pirogue. It's like a Cajun thing. Anyway, like a really a skinny canoe, and he just like jumps the fuck into the like torrent of this river. And just starts like Olympic kayaking, like down these rapids with this message on his back. So is he hitting different gates? Like, yeah, <laughs> there are rocks that he's like <laughs> swishing around. Um, is he going too fast for me to like shout for him? Like, oh, so, sorry. There's a, there's a group of them. They, they oh, seem, there's a group of them. Yeah, okay. they seem to just be like waiting for gigs. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So so one of them like fist bumps you and happily uh, offers his services. Uh, it's uh, five gold for a run down the mountain. Five gold? He says, oh, wait. You're that dude from the drum circle. Oh, man, you did such a good job. You know what? Half price for you, bro. You know what? Let's just call it two gold. Oh, hey, thank you. <laughs> You're kind. Keep it sleazy. Thanks, dude. <laughs> I walk away and I roll my eyes. Like, <laughs> They're my kin, but I don't, I'm not part of that group. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're your kin, but not your brother. Yeah, bunch of deadheads over there. <laughs> uh, Hemo, as um, as you're examining a whetstone in the general store, you hear like a pop in the air next to you, uh, and suddenly there's a uh, a short-ish man. Uh, he looks maybe like half dwarven, something like half human, half dwarven, and uh, he has a beard. He's wearing uh, these gaudy wizard's robes with like question marks and galaxy swirls all over them and a pointy hat with swirling colors on it. And he says, Hey, yeah, uh, you're interested in uh, whetstones, eh? Huh? I got a real special one next door at my shop. <laughs> so, uh, Hemo's not a very trusting person. Mm -hmm. Especially of things he doesn't understand. And this magic guy just popped out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And he checked every box on the cliche of magic. Um, but... I'm going to kind of step back cautiously and can you tell me a little bit more about this special wet stone? Oh, well, just, uh, just bring your friends over to my shop next door and I'll show you everything I got. Okay. So, uh, I'll walk through the store, you know, finding my various, uh, party mates and say, Hey, this guy just popped out of nowhere and seems to have some magical items to offer. He says he's next door, but he just appeared out of nowhere, so next door is a relative thing here. Let's go. Oh, there and see what he's got, if we're interested. As soon as Magnus hears the word magic, he's like, oh, go in there. And, and now that Hemo's not alone, I'm willing to go with a group here, like safety in numbers kind of thing. Okay, cool. So this uh, th this fellow uh, <laughs> leads you, uh, like, fancifully, like, beckoning you like a Pied Piper or something. Uh, and it's just like 20 feet from like the front of the general store to uh, Tierney's Magic Nifty Trinkets, which is the, the sort of hat-shaped building. So you go in there and you feel like a whooshing sound as you walk in. Uh, you, you, you feel a sound. You feel and hear a whooshing sound. And you go in this building, which is like, seems to be magically lit from inside. It seems larger on the inside than it, than it looked from the outside. And it's similarly gaudy on the inside. There are these bright yellows and reds and blues. And there's a counter and, and this man is like sort of dancing in place behind it. And uh, there are shelves all around in circles and they're like spinning with stuff on them. 
uh, and like like the top shelf is spinning in one direction, the shelf below it is spinning in the opposite, and like it's just this like overwhelming like circus tent kind of vibe. And uh, he gives you a tour of his wares, and he has some bananas stuff for sale. Pimlin's eyes light up at the numerous things he can steal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally like enthralled by this. So. I did come up with some things I wanted to buy at the other store, so I don't know if we want to do that later or... No, go, go for it. Okay, so at the general store, ball bearings, uh, a mess kit, three flasks of oil, and a day's rations. And that comes to a total of two gold pieces. Cool. All and yours. then here, I really like to buy Fickles Pickles. Cool. Fickles Pickles, a glass jar of 10 multicolored pickles. Each one will imbue the eater with a magical benefit from tougher skin to increased strength to illusory hair and more. Which one is which? Only one way to find out. Each pickle must be consumed in its entirety by one creature in order for its effects to take hold. Uh, they are yours. Now I'll mention, uh, these all appear to be one of a kind items as they rotate around. It's not like a whole shelf of, of Fickles Pickles. There is one. So. Yeah, I'm I'm super into the pickles. So if cool. if nobody else wants them, I would really like them. Go uh, for it. I'm interested in the whetstone, the elemental whetstone. Yes, that is why he dragged you over here. The elemental whetstone, a small round sharpening stone with elemental symbols etched on one side. Once per day, the user may press one elemental symbol and run the stone along a blade to imbue the weapon with elemental energy. The next time that weapon deals damage, it deals an additional 1d6 damage of the chosen type. Choose from fire, cold, lightning, and radiant. Only one weapon may be imbued at a time. So the elemental whetstone is 15 gold pieces. Oh yeah, I'll take that, yeah. Cool. How much is the vanishing cape? The vanishing cape, long black hooded cape with a faint iridescence. Once per day, the wearer may fling the cape over themselves and shout the command word. The wearer vanishes and reappears up to 30 feet away. The cape falls empty to the ground. Uh, that is uh, 25. Ooh, that's steep, that is steep. But it does a pretty, Sick thing. It does. Mm -hmm. It sure does. Uh, how much is the astral gourd? <laughs> astral gourd. That's right, the astral gourd. Small dried gourd which emits a faint yellow glow, used to identify a divine presence. When broken, the seeds fall to the ground in the shape of the symbol of the nearest deity. Single use. I'm asking Gebetto if he wants it. Mm. Uh, 15. Okay. I will keep you posted. All right, so with the discount I got from my brother halflings, uh -huh. I am. <laughs> I have enough money for the vanishing cape. I'm going to spend it. Okay, cool. Because there's no point in saving a D&D, &D, right? I don't think so. If I just spend half of my money on pickles. <laughs> How much are the boots of blasting? The boots of blasting. Bright red boots with flame-like stitching. Once per day, the wearer may tap the heels together to activate the boots. Five seconds after activating, the boots discharge a burst of flame downward from the heels, propelling the wearer 30 feet. With a DC 15 dex save, the wearer is propelled in a direction of their choice. If they fail the save, they are propelled in a random direction. Yeah, dog. I was hoping you'd pick those. Uh... <laughs> Uh, those are 25. Okay, I'm gonna buy this. Nice. I feel like Palfrey should consider the snail mail mostly just because I want someone to own that. <laughs> the snail mail. 
A set of chainmail that can be commanded once per day to excrete a thick layer of slime along its surface for one hour. While it is covered in slime, the wearer may lay against and crawl along any surface, including walls and ceilings, but may only move at one-tenth their normal speed. They leave a visible trail of slime that evaporates after one hour. Also, any object that touches the mail while slimy becomes stuck to it. A DC-13 strength check removes it. A fail check means that the object remains stuck while the hour lasts. When the hour has passed, the slime is absorbed into the mail. I thought about it, I, I, but I'm really saving up. I mean, like, I, I have my heart set on some higher AC armor, and as fun as it would be to have that armor, I feel like I need to be, you know. I, listen, Palfrey is, he is nothing if not bound to the Protestant That's true. Ethic. And delayed yeah. gratification is It's order. very in character for you not to want anything. <laughs> so, so I guess uh, from uh, from chatting potentially with Tierney, who, by the way, uh, let me see, Magnus, roll Arcana. Okay, uh, ten. Okay, you notice that Tierney himself appears to flicker every once in a while, like his entire image appears to flicker. And as he's talking, he he uh, he he's you know pit pitching each of these items. Oh, the beautiful snail mail with its lustrous slime, which does this and that. He refers to having multiple locations uh, where these items can be purchased. You can visit our location in Guildford. I think uh, when he's talking to me about the boots and he flickers, I'm going to be like, what what is that? Oh well, I can't be in every location personally at once, so I just send my image. And voice and wit. You can do that. Certainly. It's just like my like Magnus's face lights up. He's just like. <laughs> uh, you you seem like you are uh, newly upon the path of magical arts. Uh, certainly, there are a great many things you have yet to discover. I'm gonna say like these boots, and then hand him the twenty five gold. <laughs> ah, all yours. Excellent purchase. Uh, so, just in a meta sense, uh, this is a shop of magic things uh, that you can expect to be present in pretty much every major uh, city or town. Uh, there was probably one in Occam before it burned down. Okay. So, uh, the general store uh, also functions as an inn, and they do have rooms available and uh, stabling for horses, if that's something you want. Yep. I think so. Um, is there a tavern in this town, or is there that is. like also part of the general store? Yeah, so the general, yeah, it's it's kind of like a uh, like how a small town would have a Walmart that has everything in it. It's that kind of situation. Okay, I think uh, unless it doesn't make sense with what other people want to do, I think Magnus once we like stable the horses and like check in, I think he's gonna go to the tavern and like sit at the bar and just kind of listen to like the gossip and the conversation, just trying to get like a lay of like. What are people talking about in this town? We know that people were looking for us. Like, are they talking about what happened in Occam? What's kind of the word on the street? Yeah, so uh, news news of the disaster at Occam has definitely reached these parts. Uh, people who had family that way have already headed down. In fact, you probably would have crossed paths with some of them coming the other way on the road today. But uh, by and large, it's the, the people who hang out here spend their lives in the mountains uh, they kill things and strip their hides and sell them and then spend all their money uh, in towns and then do it all over again. Like, it's a, it's that kind of vibe. Okay. Um, there is one eccentric fellow, uh, if you're sitting at a bar, uh, mm -hmm. there's an eccentric fellow uh, who, um, anytime a barkeep tries to pour him a, a glass of something, he refuses. He puts his hand over his glass and pulls out a water skin and says, 
uh, that he uh, he only drinks the holy waters of the pool above the falls. Uh, but otherwise, you hear hunters uh, talking about the kinds of creatures that they've killed, uh, things like, oh, bugbears, cyclops, ettins, hill giants, ogres, some sort of mysterious tree-like creatures, all kinds of stuff up in Demdar Hills. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think some of that, given that Magnus is also from a town that's kind of like up in the mountains, he would have heard of. But to him, it was like stuff where like, if our tour groups get waylaid by one of these, our insurance prices go up. So like, you avoid these at all costs. So like, he's heard of them, but I don't think he's ever seen most of them. But he's heard like horror stories of like two, you know, groups of tourists getting like, you know, attacked by like these various large creatures. Yeah, I don't know if the rest of the group knows that uh, Magnus grew up giving like mountain tours to tourists. In like fantasy polyester, getting sunburned. <laughs> no, yeah, Sounds like yeah. pretty hardcore humanoids. Yeah, does Magnus uh, like does when he's giving these tours? Like, does he like feign like he's seen these creatures before? Like, oh, you don't want to run into one of these kind of. Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. The one thing that's remained consistent since Magnus was a child is like. He will always make it sound like he's done the cool shit. Okay, cool. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Just imagine like teenage awkward Magnus, like super tall, just giving bad tours, probably. <laughs> it, Nick, how is Pimlin carrying the um, rapier, the special mm-hmm. rapier? That's a good question. Uh, how long are rapiers? Boy, uh, I don't know, three three feet ish. Yeah, three feet sounds right. So yeah, the length of my body, right? Six inches. So I'm gonna think I have it on my back, strapped on my back, with a cloak co- kind of covering it. Okay. So mostly what I'm getting at is like w- when you were initially attracted to it, you were drawn like instinctually to this bejeweled handle. So mm-hmm. is I'm assuming that that is the part you're you're especially concealing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you don't yeah. you don't want people to notice this. Okay. Cool. Are you also hanging out in this tavern area? Yeah, I'm gonna hang out in the tavern, but. I want to do something insidious. Cool. Uh, I want to pickpocket some of the patrons. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I just spent all my money. So okay. I want to walk around and just kind of take out some silver pieces and gold pieces. Whatever I okay. can find. Okay. Slide a hand, please. I would think the rest of us, we don't really have to really have that specific weapon. We've all noticed he's carrying this awkwardly <laughs> relatively large thing on his back that he won't like let go of anywhere. So it's like sure. a, that we all are like, eh, come on, come on. <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't think, at least I had, I had not thought about the fact that this would be like the size of Pimlin himself. So yeah. that does that does change the visual of it. Yeah. Uh, what'd you roll there, Nick? Uh, I rolled a 20. Oh shit. So that's 29. <laughs> wow, uh, okay, okay. Uh, you find 12, or you steal 12 gold pieces from like five different people, and nobody notices, and it's beautiful. This is awesome. <laughs> so, um, in the tavern as well, and I am just being observant because I have nothing else to do, and I've just spent half my money. So, can I roll perception to see if I notice Finland stealing from everybody else? You can. Because he rolled a critical, you would also have to roll a critical to, to notice, I would say. This is like very, very difficult to do. I have a shot. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Oh, I did not. I rolled a four. So. Okay. Yeah. I would, Luke, I would like to, uh, the next time that guy is like, oh, no, with this drink, I would like to take my empty glass and be like, 
Heck yeah, dude, like, what you drinking? Can I get, like, trying to be friendly, like, can I get a little bit of that? What is that? Oh, yes, the restorative waters of the Upham Falls, very uh, good for your health. Smells and tastes like shit, but uh, it is, oh boy, boy does it do a body good, yes. Here you go. Here's, here's, I've turned into the mob boss from the last adventure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he offers you, he pours you a small glass, uh, and it is, gl- uh, it's vaguely glowing a sickly yellowish green. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna sniff it. It does smell quite bad. It smells sulfurous. All right. But I'm, you know, I'm trying to make a friend in every city, so I'm gonna down it. Actually, I'll say specifically, uh, it smells uh, like brackish. It, sm- it smells uh, vaguely salty and uh, seaweedish or something, which might not be a familiar smell to Magnus given his, his background. But, uh, yeah. No, not at all. Uh, you down it, uh, it tastes gross. It has a bitter aftertaste. Uh, there is no mechanical thing that happens. Uh, yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. This guy has some weird water. Uh, but he bends your ear for a while and uh, says that, uh, you know, people just use this as, as a. Uh, trading post, but the real attraction of Upham is the the beautiful and eerily still uh, pool that is the source of the waterfall, uh, and that uh, the pool itself is unendingly fed by water seeping out of a uh, sheer rock wall above the town. Cool. Uh, I'm going to ask him, like, where is, like, where is this pool? Like, you know, we're about to cross the mountain. Is this something we could see on our way, or... It yeah, really um, cool. yeah, so basically, like, across the street, such as it is, uh, from this general store and tavern, is this waterfall and the two ri- rivers spreading out from it. Yeah. Basically, you could scramble up rocks on either side to get to um, the cliff above where the waterfall is, is coming from. Okay, cool. Um, I think while I have this guy talking, I'm going to ask him, like, you know, you know, we're we're just passing through, but... You know, is there is there anything going on locally that we should know about? Any trouble on the past or on the path that we should be aware of? You know, we obviously came from by way of Occam and saw that horrible tragedy, but just trying yeah. to pass without it. Yeah, no, this is, this is these are pretty well trafficked ways, and the 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 hunters keep this area pretty clear of roving monsters, so you can you can expect a safe journey. You have to travel pretty far into the mountains these days to find anything really dangerous. Uh, are you guys buying dinner in the tavern, or are you uh, having roast fruit up in your lodgings? I'd love to buy dinner in the tavern. I want to take advantage of different food. <laughs> yeah. I have spent all my money, so I'm just going to kind of sit there, and I'm going to wait and go eat the roast fruit later. Um, I'll, I'll throw some some money. Uh, <laughs> you buy me dinner? Absolutely. Strictly <laughs> as a friend. <laughs> It truly is not like a impressor kind of thing. It's a this is smart for the party kind of thing. She's impressed nonetheless. I mean, she wasn't really looking forward to the roast fruit. <laughs> but uh, we have five minutes left, and we're kind of at a, a logical stopping point. Um, I will say, if Magnus was interested in visiting this waterfall, we could probably squeeze that in. Sure. And if not, that's okay too. Yeah. No. I'm. I want to explore. Okay. Uh, are you going solo, or are you inviting any of your compatriots with you? I think over dinner, I'm going to tell them, like, you see that guy at the bar? He gave me this water. It tasted weird, but he said it had healing powers. And apparently there's this pool up above the waterfall where all the water comes from. And, I mean, mm. I, I've never seen anything like that before. I'd kind of like to see it. Why are you going to sell it? I'm, I'm going. Yeah. How about it? 
on an adventure for no reason. <laughs> I think Gibetto is probably going to decline because he's he'd be like, it goes higher than this. <laughs> he's so far away from underground already that he's just like, no. Yeah. He'll stay Sergio. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you uh, you leave the uh, bright and noisy lighted atmosphere of the tavern and cross the street. Uh, you hear the soft name of horses that are tied up outside. Um, and uh, you find that uh, there aren't carved steps or anything, but clearly people come this way fairly often, and, and there's a sort of easy-to-follow, worn path scrambling up stones. Um, and you get to the top of this waterfall, which is about 50 feet high or so, and it's sort of eerie. Like, usually you would find a big still body of water at, like, the bottom of a valley or something like that. But you come to the top of this, and there's like a very thin lip of rock that this is just pouring over, and it's containing this like almost too large to be a pond, more like a lake or something like that. This big, um, very very still body of water that it has a glow about it, similar to what I described, like a yellowish greenish kind of sickly glow. Um, but the water itself is like a bright turquoise, um, almost like a tropical, oceanic kind of vibe, uh, and uh, there's a thin path around one side that takes you to a sheer rock face which is heavily graffitied with you know first name plus first name and like a heart around it and like uh, you know Blorf Duo is here and uh, you know so so, so and so Etten killings and a, like uh, you know hash marks or whatever um, okay well everybody roll perception first nine Fourteen. Sixteen. Nineteen. Twenty-two. Okay, you clever elves. <laughs> Basically, everyone's, like, up close, like, reading these graffiti bits, and you guys, like, notice something and you step back. And you realize that there's a larger etching that is seems to be older and much more faded that's sort of in the background of all this graffiti. It is a big symbol, and the symbol is of a wave curling left and right. Cool. What, I, what I'm taking away, what Palfrey is taking away, is that he is going to find a dwarf door. Dwarf door was here, and perhaps his his passing through meant something. And uh, I'm just, I'm just, this is just a purely a side thing, but I'm yeah. going to keep one eye out for dwarf door. And if I should hazard across, you know, dwarf door in my travels, then I want to find out what his deal is. <laughs> That's great. I was. I was thinking. I really hope that everywhere we go, where people graffiti his name is there and we're just following him. <laughs> someday, someday yes we're gonna get there and he's gonna be there we're hot on the trail <laughs> Luke is frantically writing down the name that he just made oh <laughs> uh, don't not uh i know we're just about out of time but you elves go ahead and roll religion real quick okay oh man uh, i know you just gave it up just lost yeah. she's done all that <laughs> Uh, I rolled a 15. I rolled a 10. Okay, uh, Hemo, you first of all, having spent a lot of time wandering, you you probably more than anybody in the party would be familiar with, there's a pattern in this world, which I think I've mentioned before, which is like, there are resting places of old gods long forgotten. And the way that magic has sort of returned so suddenly is people have found these places and awakened this god and the god has, has gifted them some magic or taught them something. This place feels like one of those. Okay, all right. And I think we can stop there for tonight.
Have a good week, guys. Bye. Bye. See you soon.